We're going to get it right off the bat. Uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman is going to start off with us today. He's getting ready to, to take off. Are you flying out to Maui? Is that where you're going? Uh, no, I'm uh, <laughs> flying back to Arkansas. But oh, okay. I'm uh, I'm doing a codel to uh, the territories next week, and one of the we, we've added a stop on the way back because uh, the pilots have to rest in Hawaii where we're going to go check out the fires out there. Right. The damage. Well, let, let's start right with that because, uh, what is it, Hirono, is that her name? Yeah, the senator out there. Yeah, the senator, she says that's climate change. Uh, articles that I've read from climate scientists have said what you've said about what happens on the west coast of the United States, it's because they never cleaned up the underbrush out there. Is that true? Yeah, the the uh, story's developing and it's uh, information just coming out. But, you know, they're saying that it was <clears throat> down power lines that caught grass on fire. And these are grasses that were planted when the... Uh, uh, the sugar cane plantations came in. They were non-native grasses, so it's it, you know it's kind of odd to see a fire in a tropical area. And I knew when that happened that we were going to hear the climate change stuff ad nauseum because it is it is odd to have big fires in tropical areas, even though it's not totally unusual. But you had a instance where you had a, a typhoon or a, a hurricane that right. didn't hit Hawaii. But you had those really high winds and a down power line, and the fire got in the grass and took off. And uh, you know the main fuel was was homes and buildings, which is I mean it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. And I think there's going to be a lot more um, uh, to the death toll from what I'm hearing. Uh, and also, there's uh, an article about how they didn't have enough water to fight the fire which fire like that is it's hard to fight anyhow but when you read into that it's because the uh the fire had been diverted to that side of the island by the sugarcane farmer many years ago but slowly the environmentalists have been uh forcing that water to be left on the other side of the island and now you got a large population that um, didn't have enough water to fight a fire uh, so you know, it's better to get the facts and do an analysis from that than to rush out and start um, pushing your political climate change agenda you know, every time there's a tragedy. Yeah, I mean, the, the governor has already spoke out about it. Now the senator has already spoke out about it, and it's all climate change. And uh, I knew that wasn't the fact from the very beginning. I li- Look, I lived on Guam. That's about as tropical as you get. There's not, there's no such thing as big forest fires over there. Right. And I'll actually, uh, so doing that Codel, I'm going to do a field hearing in Guam um, next week. Uh, these, we got the compacts of freely associated states that fall under our committee as well as the territories, and those compacts are up for renewal. So we're going to go visit those, those island nations that then the contracts are being negotiated with but um and you know you lived on guam as well and it probably never flipped over anything like uh, one of my colleagues was yeah it hasn't uh, flipped over didn't hasn't ever started to sink either uh, 
uh, Congressman. Neither, <laughs> neither one of those things have happened uh, out there. You can you can pull the plug all you want to, and it ain't going to go under. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, with yeah, with that concerned with all the all the added weight from putting a military base. I know. Yeah, they're, they're worried about that. Was hilarious. The addition people. Yeah, 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 and he believed it. Yeah. That's what's bad. He believed it. He tried to push it off later as being a joke, but all you got to do is listen to the soundbite. <laughs> was he was just... not joking. He was being honest about that. All right. One other story that came out. I sent a copy of this to you, and uh, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, and we've talked about this a little bit, uh, alleged ethics violations and failures have prompted 15 nonprofits now to write to President Joe Biden on, uh, yes, well, yesterday, demanding her resignation. What's your thoughts on this? Is she going to come up before your committee about this? Um, I don't think she'll come up before my committee. If she, she came up before one, it would probably be the oversight committee with, <clears throat> with Jamie Comer. Okay. But, um, if we're not beyond, if there's something under our jurisdiction where, we need to have an oversight hearing of bringing her in, but that's usually something like that comes uh, through the oversight committee. Yeah, they're saying uh, that, but, that they say that she's disregarded and deprioritized her ethics obligations at every turn. Yeah, well, I mean, she's she's terrible, and that's one of the nicest things I can say about her as an energy secretary. Mm-hmm. She has no qualifications or no business in that job uh so um no maybe she'll resign and they'll get another one like her in there that's terrible as well because that seems to be the the qualification to be in the biden cabinet (laughs) and there's not a there's not a whole lot of that cabinet that is not unethical to be honest it kind of goes along with the family itself you know what i'm saying yeah 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 job 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 description uh, right minimum requirement must be an idiot yeah, I was. Uh, I've been with the speaker for a few days, and uh, actually, Jamie Comer and Jim Jordan were with us for part of the time as well. And uh, you know, if the press would just report on all the evidence that's there, I, I think the country would be in an outrage. And I'm not sure the country's not already in an outrage. I think they may see see through the uh, um, the mainstream media and see what the the Justice Department's actually doing, uh, and, you know, it just, I hate to even say it, but it appears there's two standards of justice in this country. Yeah. Yeah, that's been pretty, been pretty clear here over the last few weeks. He won't do it, but he won't. All right, back with you. We're talking to uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. Uh, Congressman, let's talk about the biden administration it, it's an abysmal failure it's you know i i play a, a part from senator kennedy down in louisiana who talks about how big of a, a failure they are you know when you look at all the things they've been involved in and they haven't been uh, you know they okay we just we just lost uh, the the congressman so he'll call back we'll get him back on but when you look at the the um the what's going on in the president's administration what have they succeeded at they have not succeeded at anything 
I, I mean, they, I think they well, they, were, they, they succeeded at failure. Yeah, I was. Yeah, as as Kennedy say, I won't play it because I'm hoping that the congressman can call back and talk to us some more. Uh, you know, he said if he was in charge of the Sahara Desert, he'd run out of sand. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and I I feel that's exactly how I feel. It, it doesn't matter how you weigh this administration; it comes up. Uh, failing and failing largely he's failing families because of his policies that he's implemented and what they want to do let's look at the results of the uh at the retail prices in the grocery store let's look at let's look at gas let's look at the retirement account you see these guys out working i'll pick little rock the city guys out working in this heat whether it's the street department, sanitation department, yep. anything like that. Well, those guys are trying to build a retirement account. Those are yeah, those pension. are hardcore blue collar people that that we love, right? That are doing everything they can, and they want to retire someday. And what Biden has done is actually destroy their retirement accounts. Yeah, talk to yellow truck. Yeah, you know, go go ahead and do that. Here's the senator. Here's Senator Kennedy right here. The truth is. I do not hate anyone. So I say this gently. The Biden administration sucks. <laughs> you measure it any way you want. COVID, the economy, inflation, the national debt, the border, crime, cancel culture, treating parents like domestic terrorists, Afghanistan, our energy independence, now lost. President Biden has been spectacularly awful. If you put President Biden in charge of the Sahara Desert, he would run out of sand. If the aliens landed in Washington, D.C. tomorrow and said, take me to your leader, it would be embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> Kennedy said it right. He, he ran down the litany of things that they have failed. They have failed spectacularly. As he likes to say, and I agree wholeheartedly with him. That's why I play that clip from him uh, ever so often. I mean, anybody who who's being honest about it understands that, do they not, Congressman? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know how you could get him a passing. Uh, it's just you know, yesterday was the two-year anniversary of the probably the worst military decision of a leader of our country's ever. Uh, with that debacle of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, um, I noticed Trump got indicted again yesterday, which seems to be a pattern every time. Yes, it is. Comes up, there's a new in- indictment that comes out. You know, Congressman, the- you you brought up the anniversary date of, of getting out of Afghanistan, and that is something that is always stuck with me, and that I hope nobody ever forgets. The reality is. Is Joe Biden left Americans behind enemy lines? And to me, that's unforgivable. We can talk about the economy and everything else, but I think nothing more defines his presidency than that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's you want to read the, the world we live in right now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's unthinkable what he did there, and we've all seen the images. You know, we've got 13 more Gold Star families now yeah, uh, because of that decision. Left billions of dollars of military equipment over there. Um, it's just, 
I, I have no words to say to describe how terrible a move that was. And I think that's really when um, his rating started going down. I realized how, how bad of a job he's doing and how incompetent he is to be uh, leading the strongest country in the world. And it's just uh, been one bad move after the other. Uh, you know, I was uh, uh, in some meetings this week, and if you look at politically, Americans right now trust Republicans in Congress by a nine-point margin for leadership over uh, the Biden administration. And Congress never polled very high. No. no. So that tells no. you. But that, it was actually at 54 percent. So wow. um, I think that, that shows the job of uh, that Speaker McCarthy's doing and uh, how a lot of this stuff coming out in the light. And uh, uh, we're going to keep pushing on that. Are you coming back uh, Friday for the uh, the Lincoln-Reagan uh, uh, dinner that's going to be happening here with McCarthy being here? Yeah, I'll, I'll get there today and uh, uh, do him work tomorrow, and then I'll meet back up with the speaker when he comes in Friday morning, and we'll have that uh, event Friday night. So looking forward to him, to him being uh, in Arkansas. I would... I did a field hearing on wildfire out in Yosemite uh, last uh, Friday and uh, did some stuff uh, in Portland and other places with the speaker. We're, we're getting really good candidates, um, and, you know, we, we don't want to just protect this narrow majority. We want to grow the majority in the, uh, in the upcoming election, and I, I think we've got a pathway to do that. Let me let me go back and just question you when you were talking about the the sugarcane uh, farmers there in Hawaii. How long has it been since they they planted this non-native grass? How many how many decades are we looking at? I'm sure it's a long time, is it not? Yeah, I think we're we're talking in you know fifty to a hundred years. I don't know the exact time frame, but they were they were growing sugar over there. Uh, obviously before world war ii so it would be you know closer to 100 years yeah and you know the 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 methodology of taking care of all of that has not been the priority of uh of the congress and when and their oversight uh, capabilities and you 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 started changing all of that i mean you're working on that on the west coast as well correct yeah i tell you Driving up to Yosemite the other day was, as a, especially as a forester, it was heartbreaking to me because there were there were more fire scars up Highway 41 out of Fresno into the park than I believe there were green trees and just snags wow. everywhere. Uh, and it's uh, it's it's environmental litigants that are causing this problem that don't allow the federal land managers to to do their job um, and. You know, we've got to fix that. We're, we're making progress on it, and I think we will continue to uh, uh, to see improvements. But there's been so much damage done to our most valuable natural resource in, uh, in the magnificent forest that we have. Um, it was pretty, pretty cool to be there where uh, Teddy Roosevelt camped out with John Muir and uh, to have a field hearing with Half Dome and 
uh, El Capitan in the background. Um, and it's, it's gotten a lot of coverage and bringing more light to the need for forest management. You know, before, uh, uh, before the California gold rush, the average trees per acre in California was 64. Today it's over 300. So that tells you what the problem is. There's way too many trees per acre and the land can't support it. And it gets weak and starts when it gets weak, insects and bugs attack it, and then it burns up in fire. And that's the way nature naturally takes care of it, and it's a violent, vicious cycle. But we could go in and, and thin these forests out and uh, prevent these devastating wildfires. Oh, Congressman, come on now. You can't be cutting trees down. You're going to make some child cry somewhere. <laughs> I used the phrase the other day, we love our trees for death. Yeah. Uh, you know, people think cutting one down is bad, but you're killing it and and all of its friends when you don't uh, do the the natural the management and keep it uh, to a, uh, a a growing stock that the land can support. It's it's bad right until you need toilet paper, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that uh, you know that's a great point. All the all the things we make from trees. You want to talk about the environment? It's the most environmentally friendly uh, building products and uh, personal hygiene products and all those things that, that come from trees. Um, and the thing that kills me is we still import more wood to the United States than any country in the or we're the largest importer of wood in the world. Yeah, uh, about 25 percent of our wood comes from other countries, and we sit here and watch it burn up uh, in our on our federal lands out west. All right. Congressman, we'll let you get on with your trip. I thank you very much for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You have a good trip, and we'll see you back here uh, in, in, the, uh, in the state in the near future. Always good to visit, Dave. Thank All right. Talk to you later. With you, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Joining us from Washington, D.C. is uh, Congressman Hill. He's with us uh, right now. L- let me, first of all, I was talking to Brooke Netherton, who is uh, the congressman. I, I, I refer to her as the handler. Is that an all right term, congressman? <laughs> she does a good job at it. Yeah, she's she's really good. She told me that Monday when you come on, because you can't make Wednesday next week, that uh, Congressman Comer from Kentucky is going to join us. Is that still true? That's it. And uh, I wanted you to have a chance to visit with Jamie personally on how we're conducting oversight over Hunter Biden. And I think it'll be a good opportunity. He's doing I think he's doing a fine job. I do, too. Tremendous pressure. I really do. Yeah, he's, he's been got great an eye on, the, on the ball. Yeah, he's he has been great. Well, let's 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 start off with the uh, the president. Uh, no comment. You know, when it came to, to Maui, your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, I I really, it's ridiculous. I mean, he's now, of course, gone off and tried to, you know, rebrand that story by saying he wants to go to Hawaii, he doesn't want to get in the way. Look, presidents go and governors go to disaster areas not to be in the way, but to deliver uh, much-needed care and a message that we're there standing with those people side by side as they recover. and. So I thought it was tone deaf. Uh, some people thought he couldn't even hear the comment. So <laughs> either way, uh, he's not effective. Yeah. 
Congressman, when when he made that comment, it immediately went through my mind that he doesn't he doesn't even have a clue what was going on in Maui. Well, I thought he was the empathizer in chief. When he said no comment, I'm going. It really sounded like he didn't know what they were talking about, and he yeah. didn't know what to say other than no comment. Yeah, that's that's. I watched that tape uh, yesterday. I thought, you know, he just. I'm not even sure he heard the question. I'm not sure he knew what he was talking about. Just like a robotic answer when. Uh, this was one of the great tragedies of recent days, and he should have taken a moment to talk about it and describe what he was going to do uh, about it specifically, particularly since he's in, involved in uh, talking about every other issue under the sun. He ought to be talking about our own citizens that are in absolute tragedy. Well, let's talk about the uh, the biggest story that occurred yesterday, and that was the, the fourth indictment of former President Trump. Isn't it interesting that... Uh, the indictments seem to come every day that we have something that we want to report about the president. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think all this is absolutely orchestrated politically uh, to tie up uh, President Trump in any effort for a reelection. Also, um, using RICO, I'm not a lawyer, but using RICO in Georgia, mm-hmm. that seems like a real stretch to me and a real overkill the way the indictment read and you know i couldn't tell if she was uh, the the prosecutor there was piling on after the federal charges uh that's what it looked like uh because obviously she's done an investigation that's gone on for two years and suddenly we're we're timing this announcement of an indictment right after the federal indictment on, on exactly the same topic Yeah, and he's got to appear. Now, this is, by the way, everybody has to understand, this is different than the other indictments. Those are federal indictments. This is a state indictment. Uh, I think that they're going to try to push it over into the federal side of things. But still, the the president and all of those other people that are named in that indictment are supposed to appear at the, uh, the sheriff's facility two days after the first debate. Yeah, I don't. You know, again, this is uh, out outside my circle of confidence on on the legal <laughs> process. But but look, this I think every defendant in this case will attempt to move this to federal court because of the federal case that's connected to the exact same thing, which is did President Trump act beyond a First Amendment right and and have a conspiracy to overturn the election? Uh, on January 6th. That's that's the blunt charge here. You know, did he know what he was doing? Did he have advice of counsel? Were they as crazy as some of the ideas that we've all heard about? You know, I think they probably, the advice he got was crazy to say that you could change the outcome of the election on January 6th. But that's, that's the charge. I think every person in this Georgia case will attempt to move it to federal court. Congressman, let me ask you this from a political analysis uh, standpoint. All of these indictments, it it obviously will play well with a hardcore Democrat Democratic base. How do you see the tea leaves as it plays with independent voters, though? Yeah, Jimmy, I think I think both uh, the hardcore uh, Trump supporter and the hardcore progressive left urban crazy person, you know, on the left. Their minds are made up here. They don't need any. They're not going to be impacted by these uh, indictments. 
But I think swing voters, uh, you know, are listening out of the uh, corner of their ear to this to see if if uh, they think there's something worse than what they saw on January 6th, meaning that there was an actual conspiracy led by President Trump in a premeditated way to seriously attempt to overturn the election on January 6th. That's a big charge. You know, it's different from objecting to the election or bitching about the election. This is a serious criminal charge that there was a conspiracy led by the president to absolutely overturn the election. And there's a lot of of, uh, uh, innuendo around that because of his own tweeting, his own comments, his own work. So this is a tough charge, in my view. but I think swing voters are watching for that because they didn't like January 6th. Nobody liked January 6th. They don't uh, like uh, what's happening. So I think, Jimmy, yes, these indictments could have a, a negative impact for important swing voters in a general election. Uh, just the fact that they, they came to pass uh, will affect a lot of those swing voters, but I think they are watching the outcome. How about you? You're coming. Are you coming back Friday with McCarthy going to be here at uh, in the state uh, addressing yeah. the, the GOP? And what are you expecting him to say? Look, I think well, I think uh, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, is coming back here to uh, attend our big summer state meeting of the Republican Party, the Reagan Rockefeller uh, dinners. Uh, this weekend, and I think Kevin will uh, will lead off, Dave, by saying, look, we campaigned in 2022 with a commitment to America to hold Biden accountable in his failures on the border, hold Biden accountable in his failures on crime, on fentanyl, uh, hold Biden accountable personally and do investigations in and around the Hunter Biden matter, uh, hold uh, the FBI accountable for their misuse of their power during the 2016 and 2020 elections and move positive bills forward to get the economy going, energy independence, uh, try to cut spending away from the Biden's avalanche of spending since the pandemic. So I think he's going to talk about uh, his vision for that commitment to America and how he needs all Republicans to unite to reelect the House, to elect a Republican Senate, and beat Joe Biden in 2024. I think that'll be the message. Yeah, what's really exciting uh, that, that I've, I've seen, we talked a little bit about this a moment ago with uh, Congressman Westerman, is that you all are, you guys got some positive uh, mojo going there at the, on the House side with the American public. We do. We've got a tough few weeks ahead of us. And I I don't know what you and Bruce talked about that, but we in the House, if we want to rein in Biden and Pelosi, liberal, left-wing, woke, stupid budget policies, then we in the House have to unite as Republicans and get our spending bills passed in the next few weeks so that we have the leverage to meet these spending cuts that we negotiated earlier in the year because we have to negotiate with the Senate and we have to negotiate with the president again on on spending, even though you think we've done that hard work back in the debt ceiling debate. And I think we did, but we're not there yet. If we want to really curtail and uh, change the Biden-Pelosi direction of the country. So, Congressman, how do you make sure the American people are hearing about these uh, discussions on appropriations when you've got the first uh, GOP 
presidential debate coming up next week. How do you keep from being washed out, so to speak, in the media? Well, Dave, I think in September and October, this will be the news of the day. I really do. Kids will be back in school. Football will be started. The presidential debate will be uh, a few weeks behind us. And I think that because of the incredible budget deficit we're facing, the incredible new levels of interest expense that the government is facing, where interest will be the second largest expense of the government, this is going to get citizens reengaged on deficit spending, which, in my opinion, they walked away from during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think on both sides of the political aisle, people said, no, we've, we've got to do whatever it takes. And uh, Joe Biden continued that in his first two years by adding $6 trillion in new spending proposals into the federal government that he and Pelosi and Schumer got jammed through in these past two years, uh, their first two years, which is is why I think the Republicans were able to take the House last fall and why we're trying to reverse that course in these last two years of Biden's administration. But this is important. This affects China. This affects inflation. This affects our pocketbooks. This affects our future taxes. It affects the stability of the U.S. dollar. It's not something to be monkeyed with uh, and handled in any kind of a casual way. But I don't think the American citizens are focused on that. I think they're focused on fentanyl, uh, the open border. These are important issues, too, but they all, I think, are secondary to the fiscal condition of the country. Yeah, it's kind of uh, amazing that in 2010, when the uh, when we started uh, zeroing in on the debt, it was at $13 trillion. It's up to $32 trillion now, and it seems to be an afterthought. Yeah, and, you know, uh, if you think about the political movement after Obama's election of conservatives uniting around a Tea Party message and a, it was essentially a tax and budget related message. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any question about that. And uh, the left during those days was uniting around just a complete government socialist takeover, you know, like uh, Occupy Wall Street. So that was the sort of theme of the of that time. But now we're on to. Uh, other things that I think are important. They're culturally important, there's no doubt. Uh, but they are secondary to the fact that our fiscal situation is really deteriorating. All right, we're down to about the last five minutes here with uh, Congressman Hill. And uh, Congressman will be looking forward to seeing you on Friday and on Saturday uh, here in, in the state. But uh, Jimmy had one last question he wanted to ask about the upcoming election. Go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah, Congressman. As, uh, as, as we get closer to the debates and we get into actual election season and everything, do you think we're going to see the, the American people's focus shift somewhat back to their own pocketbooks, back to retail prices, retirement accounts, uh, the, the price of gasoline, things like that that are really going to affect them? I do. I I think always uh, how people feel about the outlook of the future is so important in an election, and that starts with how they're feeling about their own financial security. They put that in the context of their kids and what they're learning at school. That's true, and how they're feeling about the country generally, but they also really think about their own financial security. And inflation, uh, no matter what Joe Biden says in Bidenomics, 
essentially Bidenomics is pro-inflation, uh, it's pro-big government, it's pro-big business against small business because of all these regulatory mandates, raising energy costs because climate's more important than uh, a comfortable uh, heating and cooling budget in your home or any car you want to buy. So these are aggravating things to working people. And our average uh, citizen here is spending about $700 more a month than they were a couple of years ago just for the normal things, to go back to school, to buy food for the table, gas for the car, and rent and housing continues to be very, very high because of inflation. Why? Because we've had to raise interest rates to fight inflation. And we're not winning that full inflation battle. Why? Because of Joe Biden's spending. So Bidenomics is a anti-family, anti-household, anti-business agenda. And I think a lot of Americans are going to think about the election in that context. So are you going to be, you're coming back for the uh, the dinner, I'm sure, Friday. You'll be there Saturday for the state meeting. Are you are you then heading up to, to Milwaukee to see the first debate? Uh, no, I won't be able to go to the first debate. I'm going to be uh, traveling next week some, uh, but I'm going to watch it. And I think it's really important, Dave, for all Republicans to, and I hope President Trump comes to that first debate. I think he should be there. He's a former president, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. He's a great debater. He has fun doing it. And uh, he needs to stand up and uh, tell the American people why he deserves a second term uh, in the face of the fact that we uh, – have the trauma and the problems that we have now, let these other candidates debate with him. I think it's important for the party. I think it will bring the party together to have everybody who's a potential candidate on that stage, and let's start this uh, debate for 2024. Ah, Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Yeah, it's hump day. That's exactly what it is, and we're closer to Friday than we were on Monday, as I like to say. Hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and that is a good thing. We are now starting downhill towards the weekend, and we're always looking for that. And we're a couple of weeks out from uh, SEC football kicking off and getting going, high school football getting going, a lot of good stuff going. In fact, when I got up this morning, Jimmy, when you got up this morning, you walked outside. Mm-hmm. It felt a little fallish outside. Yeah. It felt a little bit fallish yeah, outside. Well, we're only supposed to get a high of 83 today. I went outside and I started skipping around. The dogs were running around. Everybody's, everybody <laughs> everybody's saying, I'm yeah. not sweating. Yeah. But, uh, it's supposed to be 93 tomorrow. So don't think that, <laughs> that we're in the well, cool. Well, in, in 100 cool on Sunday. Yeah. So. It's not like we're going to be in the cool temperatures yeah. uh, anytime soon. We get a. Just a little bit of a reprieve going on. Felt good, though. With that. All right. So yesterday in uh, Georgia, uh, former President Trump was indicted again. 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 The fourth time now. Uh, This time a little bit different than the last three times in that it's not a federal indictment. It is a state indictment of what's going on in there's RICO statutes uh, in this, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And a, and a lot of people are saying this is going to be the undoing of the former president. Don't I they, wish I had a nickel for everybody every time everybody said yeah. that they had the necessary smoking gun to take down the former sitting president, Donald Trump. 
Same song, different dance. Yeah, they, I mean, they just... haven't figured that one out. Uh, one of his former attorneys was on Fox and Friends, and uh, I wanted to play that piece for you on that. And uh, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to Andrew McCarthy. McCarthy. He's uh, got some information dealing with what went down in Atlanta. And along with all of that in this hour, look, Disney just can't figure it out. They have just totally lost their ever-loving minds. I don't know if you knew this or not, but they are going to do a live version of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Wait, wait, oh, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Snow Slow White down. and the Seven Magical yeah, Characters or whatever that they're going to yeah. call them or whatever. I can't call them can't call dwarves. Them dwarves. Can't say dwarves anymore. And I'm going to play an, a piece of audio uh, from the actress that's going to be Snow White. And i got to tell you, I have heard woke people before, but this woman is scary woke. <laughs> I mean, she's scary woke. And I'll play it for you uh, as this hour goes on. I can't wait on. to hear that. And then I have a, a piece that uh, from Sebastian Gorka that I lifted. Yes, Sebastian, I hope you don't mind. I stole a piece of audio from your show from a sex therapist talking about how uh, I, I'll, I'll wait until we can play you it. Just, it's it's hard you, for me to even explain what the sex therapist is saying about transsexuals. I, I think when you said Sebastian Gorkin and sex therapist, you got everybody's attention right away. <laughs> so I, they're going to listen on that. It's, yeah, it's an it's amazing piece. All right, so I'll tell you what, uh, Aaron, let's go back and the first segment be from Fox and Friends, and it's the lady that appeared on the show and they talk yeah they're talking about the um, the whole Atlanta, the whole Atlanta and the Georgia thing that went down yesterday and and uh, here's what they were talking about does president trump know that this is a perilous threat we do not agree that it is a perilous threat because we actually have inside information. So I love when people, what, what you know, inside information? well, the inside information, Steve, and, and, you know, you used to love Trump, but that, <laughs> I got to tell you, right, I have confidentiality and I have ethics and, so and I'm going to continue. But I think you need to understand something. When somebody is given a report and he has reports that show that there was interference and you could be advised by one lawyer that says, oh, I don't think so. And you could have another lawyer that says, no, I do think so. And here's some reports. And we know that there were issues in Fulton County, we, right? We know it's not a question. There was election issues and the integrity of our election is in question at this very moment. Um, and when he says, I want to look into it, I don't trust it. We need to look into it. That's his obligation as a president. OK, look at Letitia James, for instance, Steve. Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, stood up on a podium who's suing the Trump organization and said, President Trump is an illegitimate president. Now, is she going to get criminally charged? What about Hillary Clinton? Every day, she said. You know, it's interesting when you see. All right. So there you got one of the main points that is going to be made during this. Well, it was a good point. Well, of course, there's (laughs) been a lot of people who have who have said uh, that have have challenged the election and is, you know, that Trump was an illegitimate president. I mean, played this yesterday when we had all of the different people who came out, Hillary Clinton and and, and everybody came out and and talked about it. Uh, Was it Lewis who didn't said he wouldn't attend because he doesn't consider the president? Yeah. Not to be a legitimate president? That's correct. I mean, are all of those people going to, you know, be put up 
in front of the court for scrutiny. Yeah. Uh, because as the answer is no, because this is inherent uh, inherently a political thing now. Well, and even Ducey made it political with his when he started his questions about how this is a perilous indictment. Yeah. Well, what do you mean perilous? I mean, just well, that's what some people are doing. I understand what Steve's doing, but I I think that he could have done it in a better manner. Oh yeah. Well, she called him on yeah, it pretty quick. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. And and uh, and put it out there. We don't think it's perilous. I mean, yeah. that that should have been the way he said that. So people have been saying this is. Uh, perilous for the former president. Do you feel that way? Well, you just said it uh, before the break when we were talking about it. He said another indictment. This one, he's done. He's done. Yeah, they he's always done. say that. And you go, okay, but he's that's ridiculous. Okay, so we got Andrew McCarthy as well. He talked about this. And, and, and he goes a little deeper into this whole thing of supposedly this indictment is a little bit more challenging for the Trump organization than the previous three indictments. And I wanted you to be able to hear what he had to say. I don't agree with him on, on, on this. And uh, so do you have that ready to go, Aaron, about Andrew McCarthy? Attorney and there Fox News contributor Andy McCarthy. Andy, you have followed all of these indictments very closely. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, tensions on all sides of these equations as we head into the election season. Big debate coming on Wednesday night of next week, and the president will have, have to have had to appear for this arraignment, the fourth one, by two days after that event. Your thoughts on this, Andy? Well, this is a remarkable indictment, Martha, because I think you mentioned before I, I, I had referred to how perilous it is for Trump. I don't think it's as strong a case by any means as the, as the Mar-a-Lago case, but I do think it's, it's the most enduring threat for him in that it's a state prosecution, so there's a lot of uh, delay that's attendant to his strategy for attacking the federal cases because he hopes that either he or a Republican president could win the election and then either dismiss the cases or uh, pardon him. That can't happen with respect to the state cases. So, you know, even though the, the RICO charge is obviously the bells and whistles thing, and I actually think that's the political aspect of this indictment, as you get down into the indictment and the, the charges get seemingly smaller but actually much more tightly connected to actual election integrity penal statutes, those counts, I think, are much stronger. And to the extent that, you know, if she's able to get him on just one or two of those, those would be, you know, felony convictions that he wouldn't be able to pardon himself from. So what about time frame? We were just looking at uh, how dense all of this is. I know Governor Christie was on earlier today and, and he was arguing that you didn't need to Jack Smith and Fannie Willis didn't need to bring the overlapping charges, both of them. Uh, here he is on that. And I want to get your thoughts on both of those things after this. Election interference is election interference. It's been charged by Jack Smith. And most of the time, what you'd see here would be a state court deferring to a federal prosecution, especially if that federal indictment had already been issued. Mm -hmm. So I, I think this was unnecessary as to Donald Trump. Okay. Um, thoughts on that and on how many of these things could possibly happen inside the window prior to the election, Andy? 
Yeah, I think Christie's wrong about that, and, and he's a you know he's a smart guy. He knows federal prosecution, obviously. But the thing, Martha, is that the states in our system are primarily responsible for mm -hmm. conducting and policing elections. So they actually have an array of charges that is a better fit, I think, for a lot of the conduct that's at issue here. Whereas I think Smith's indictment um, actually has to take laws that are not designed to deal with elections and kind of stretch them to cover that behavior. And he may have legal problems with that. I, I do think Christie's right to the extent he's saying that the, the RICO count is overkill. I think the RICO count is just a political story. Uh, but the other counts, I think, are pretty serious, the ones that really actually go to election integrity. What about time frame? Which of these do you think are likely to be able to take place prior to people going to the voting booths in November of 2024? Yeah, well, I happen to have been in what I still think is the uh, longest federal criminal trial ever in the 1980s called the Pizza Connection case, where we had 22 defendants. It is not easy to get 19 defendants to trial. Yeah. I don't see how on earth they could do that in six months. And I would remind people that a number of the people who've been indicted here are themselves lawyers. There is going to be mm -hmm. voluminous pretrial litigation in this case. But she may get she may actually luck out in the sense that if the courts were, say, to strike the RICO count or tell her to cut down the case into smaller bunches, she may actually benefit from that because it may be a better case from her uh, perspective. All right, so there, there you go. That's, that's what everybody's talking about All right, right now. Sounds like to me I don't hear any smoking gun. No, we haven't heard anything. And Andrew McCarthy said, well, you know, the RICO part of it's the just nothing more than a political story. I'm going to take a different thing and say every one of these indictments are nothing but a political story. Isn't that the usual BS? Yeah, there's just, no, there, there's just nothing there. It's, it's, it's theater is what it is and i think the american it's people it's the get, usual bs yeah. this is what look they it's the same story over right. and, and over uh, again you know yeah same same song second verse i think third verse fourth I, verse i think people are just tired of it uh, i i think they read the headline here's what happens everybody reads the headline about trump's been indicted another indictment this this but did they get in depth or they they're not interested in the whole story, the indictment, or anything because it's just nothing more than theater. It's a political story, and it's not just the RICO part. It's each one of these indictments are nothing more than a political headline. Yep, and it's a political hit. Yeah, specifically, I believe that, and I think most people uh, believe that. You said something though before we even started the show. You and I were talking, and and I think President Trump falls in their trap though. Because he immediately talks about the indictments, and mm -hmm. it's all about him, all about him. And the first time, time he ran, he talked about the economy, talked about China, he talked about the border, he talked, and he's not talking about any of that right now. And I think he would be better served to say, "Look, the indictments. I'm not worried about that. Let's talk about what's important." Well, I think he should be pointing to the future. Yeah. And not dealing with these things. When he's asked about these, he said, I'm not going to talk about that. Talk to my lawyers about yeah. that. I'm not going to talk about that. But let's talk about where we are as a country right now. Yeah. Where are we as a country? As I mentioned uh, with uh, uh, Congressman Hill, uh, back in 2010, 
when uh, things were going on as far as uh, the movement that was occurring with the Tea Party. That was all about the economy. Yes. And, uh, yes. And, and uh, we, we, we had passed over $10 trillion in debt. We were at $13 trillion, and everybody was up in arms about it. Now, here we are in Biden, okay, and uh, we're 13 years down the road, and we're at $32 trillion yep. in debt and counting yep. and adding to it. And we need to start talking about this. There's some, there are some serious things that have to be done. It will not be painless. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be painless. You as a taxpayer owe about $970 towards the debt. Then uh, your, your children owe hundreds and hundreds of dollars towards the federal debt. And then your grandchildren which I just had my first, I just was told I'm, mm-hmm. we're going to have the first uh, uh, grand, great-grandchild in for me coming up here shortly in, in February. Uh, bottom line is that uh, it, 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 gonna, those kids owe hundreds of dollars in federal debt. How much do we want to pass on to the future generations of this country? When are we going to say it's not about us, it's about our country? I think what what the average Americans are looking at right now, I'll give you an example. You've got uh, somebody that's 58 years old that their retirement account under Biden has just been devastated. They've lost thousands. I'm talking about blue-collar people. Yeah. Okay. And they've worked hard all their life, and their retirement accounts are devastated. So when they get home in the evening, they see a headline about an indictment, and they may read the headline, but they're not worried about that. They're worried about their uh, retirement account. Let's take a mom. Let's take a 33-year-old mom. who Moms generally uh, take care of the household budget, and she's worked all day. Dad's worked all day. Kids are getting home. School's just started. She's trying to get the grocery list together, go over the bills, the mortgage, and she's trying to, in this time of inflation and high retail prices, uh, she is trying to figure out how to make the budgets work. She's not worried about the headline of the indictment. I, I think I, that's I what I think that's what Trump has got to start talking about is how how are we going to help those people, and not so much talking about. The persecution and I don't think that he just talks about that in these big group meetings mm-hmm. that he has. This has got to become his time that that's all he yeah. talks about. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We've got more to talk about yet. We want to talk about uh, Snow White and the Seven Magical Creatures, and we also want to talk about this sex therapist. You're not going to – look – I don't know which of these audio clips I'm going to play are the worst. I just tell you they're, they're both be. really bad. I'm yeah. just tell you they're going to drive you crazy when you when you hear them. Don't forget about East End Towing, what they can do for you. Uh, if you get stuck on the side of the road, they can come and get you and get you off the side of the road. If you just need a flat tire change, they can do that for you as well. They do it all. They do it all. Uh, anything, anytime, anywhere. It's East End Towing. They're an Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board member. They're licensed. They're insured tow operation. All of their trucks are permitted. They know it all. I use them. I've used them probably, I guess, about a half dozen times this year uh, and and gone from fixing tires to, you know, my car overheating and needed to be uh, 
uh, towed into Joe's Garage over on Crystal Hill Road. They do it all. That's East End Towing, 501-888-8849, 501-888-8849. Remember, anything, anytime, anywhere, it's East End Towing. Okay, so I've decided we'll start with sex therapists. And the reason I want to start with them is because I want you to listen to this, and I believe this whole transsexual thing this cult that they've got going on is imploding. I mean, we've got states that are making it illegal. We've got a lot of things going on about this. But then you listen to therapists, all right, and what they have to say about this, and you, and you listen, and, you know, this comes to mind. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And the answer is no, I don't. Take a listen to this, this, this jackal right here. Some straight men are attracted to trans women who haven't had bottom surgery. This is very disconcerting and confusing to women when they find this out because they think, well, if she hasn't had bottom surgery then and you want to play with that part of her, then you can't be 100% straight. But that doesn't make sense because you have to remember that these are still women. Trans women are women. They are female. The attraction to her is from the waist up, but it can also be from the waist down. And they can experience pleasure playing with that person from the waist down. But that act, again, doesn't indicate a sexual orientation. It indicates an attraction to the person, to the woman, the trans woman. Actually, some of these men are attracted to gender fluidity in that the person exhibits both uh, male and female body parts. Um, And that's attractive to them. Just like some gay men are attracted to trans men who haven't had bottom surgery. That doesn't make them bi. It doesn't make them straight. Oh, my. I I got lost in the Can I say word salad there? (laughs) And I thought the vice president was bad at this. This guy is really bad at this. I mean, what he said makes no sense. No, it's, it's gibberish. I mean, as soon as he started talking, I'm going... (laughs) <laughs> what the hell is he saying? I, mean, I had to play this. I, I, I came across this from uh, Sebastian Gorka, and I had to play this because it's like, what? <laughs> I mean, that was just rambling, babbling. I mean, I don't even know what that was. It made was. no sense. Absolutely made no sense. And I'm sure in his mind, here's what he's saying. You can't handle the truth. Well, And I'm saying, dude, I, you don't even know how to state the truth. In his mind, though, he's got it figured out. Yeah, he does. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. He's, he thinks he's got it figured out. And, you know, and, hey, man, have fun in your own little private world. I, I don't know what to tell I you. I was. I was I was stunned when I when I heard that. I, I didn't get to hear Sebastian Gorka's comeback on that piece, but. I can only imagine. Can you what see he was this thinking. guy? Can you see this guy at Thanksgiving dinner? Okay. <laughs> when all the family's around, and you know, every family's got one, but this guy is out there. Okay, so yeah, I mean, he's he's at some family as the Who would have talked about uh, from uh, you know some of the rock opera that they did. Tommy, this is Uncle Ernie. Okay, I'm just telling you, fiddle about, fiddle yeah. about. And and that is what this guy is. He is Uncle Ernie. This guy could look at me and say, "Well, Jimmy, you don't understand." I'm say, "You're av- yeah, that's one thing you're right about. I don't understand a damn thing you're saying." Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. You know, well, I, mean, I didn't get anything from it except that the guy 
was saying a whole lot of words that when you took it all together I, mean, means nothing. I, I, I'm, you know, I've got, I, I think maybe I know what he's referring to when he says bottom surgery. I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, he, that's the only clear thing he said was bottom surgery. That's the only clear thing he said. All right, back with you. 835, Susie Parker has brought herself into the studio now. She did not hear uh, this uh, therapist talking about transsexuals. I'm not sure and what how, he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, Sebastian Gorka had this segment, and I happened to hear it. And so I decided I would lift it because, you know, stealing things is the, the finest form of flattery. And so I'm, fl- I'm flattering Gorka right now because I'm using this on my show. I want you to listen to this, Susie. This this reminds me, you know, I, I went to seminary, and uh, this reminds me of a Bible verse that Paul has in Romans, where it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools. And check out what this guy says. Here we go. Some straight men are attracted to trans women who haven't had bottom surgery. This is very disconcerting and confusing to women when they find this out because they think, well, if she hasn't had bottom surgery then and you want to play with that part of her, then you can't be 100% straight. But that doesn't make sense because you have to remember that these are still women. Trans women are women. They are female. The attraction to her is from the waist up, but it can also be from the waist down. And they can experience pleasure playing with that person from the waist down. But that act, again, doesn't indicate a sexual orientation. It indicates an attraction to the person, to the woman, the trans woman. Actually, some of these men are attracted to gender fluidity in that the person exhibits both uh, male and female body parts. Um, And that's attractive to them. Just like some gay men are attracted to trans men who haven't had bottom surgery. Okay, so did that make any sense to you? Yeah, did you understand any of that? No, and I wrote a book called Sex in the <laughs> South. Maybe I just haven't had enough Mountain Dew yes, yet. I, I had to play that for you. I don't I don't know what that did was. Did you oh, comprehend anything in that? N- no, but I've, I've been up all night working, <laughs> and I may need some more caffeine. Unbelievable. I'm not really sure. Are they talking about, like, He's in it. Now, listen. cross-dressing? No, this no, guy's no, actual. cross-dressing this, here. Okay. This guy's an actual sex Therapist. therapist somebody gave him a license yeah okay he's working he's i'm, I'm gonna he, have to analyze number that. one he starts talking I don't think about you can analyze it right? he starts I mean, talking about a man who thinks he's a woman is still drawn to a woman that is a woman all right and but that doesn't make that doesn't mean he's lesbian even it's, if you yeah, see that's yeah. it, it's just but it's the, just silliness is what it is. But this it throws is, the bottom surgery into the equation. Yeah, I wish that okay. Monty Python was still doing stuff. Oh, gosh. Because they, they, would, they would have some kind of a of a, of a, a department of, of uh, silly bottoms or something listening to Everybody this Everybody in the country should wake up every morning, and as soon as they get out of the bed, every morning for the rest of their life, they should listen to this clip. No. Yeah, because he's supposed to be—he's supposed to be, uh, you know, one of the yeah. people who's really smart about the, the this. Re- the reason I say that is to so you can shake your head and get back to reality. This, this—if this doesn't get you back right. to reality, I don't know what does. All right, so this ties in 
to the wokeness going on in Disney and why Disney is losing it hem, is hemorrhaging money. They are doing a live action version. It's supposed to come out, from what I understand, in January. And this is the woman who plays Snow White. Now, what's her name? Uh, I don't have her name in front of me. I don't have her name okay. right now. She probably, now that she's getting all her, all of her uh, information out there, probably doesn't want her name no, really to be not. known. Yeah. But the bottom line is, Disney is changing the whole story. Snow White. Mm-hmm. All right. They're getting rid of Prince Charming. He's yeah. not going to be part of Can't it. Can't have it. To do, to do his thing. And uh, she's going to... Well, well it's this, is, this is, again, another segment where I've got to say, just listen to what they yeah. say. All right? Now, if you want to know why Disney is, is losing money and why their movies aren't making gazillions of dollars like they used to, listen to the woman who's going to play... Snow White and understand. Here we go. Play it for and me. I just wanted to mention her name is Rachel Zegler. By the way. Rachel Zegler. Okay. The Ready original to go. cartoon came out in 1937 yeah. and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there's a big focus on her love story um, with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird. So we didn't do that this time. Cast a guy in the movie, right. Andrew Burnup, great dude. All of Andrew's scenes could get cut. Who knows? It's Hollywood, baby. If I'm going to stand there 18 hours in a dress of an iconic Disney princess, I deserve to be paid for every hour that it is streamed online. I was scared of the original cartoon. I think I watched it once and then I never picked it up again. Like, I'm being so serious. I watched it once and then I went on the ride in Disney World, which was called Snow White Scary Adventures doesn't sound like something a little kid would like was terrified of it never revisited snow white again so i watched it for the first time in probably 16 17 years when i was doing this film it's no longer 1937 and we absolutely wrote a snow white that she's is not going to be yeah, saved by the prince she's not going to be saved by the prince and she's not going to be dreaming about true love she's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be and the leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless fair brave and true the reality is that the cartoon was made 85 years ago it's extremely dated when it comes to the ideas of women being in roles of power and what a woman is fit for in the world and so when we came to reimagining the actual role of Snow White has to learn a lot of lessons about coming into her own power before she can come into power over a kingdom. She's not going to be saved by the prince and she's the proactive one and she's the one who set the terms is what makes it so relevant. Alright it makes it relevant. So it's not a remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. This is Snow White and the Seven Magical Creatures uh, that they're making, which will not have Prince Charming. He's playing a, a very backdoor kind of part. He's a stalker, in fact, as far as this woman who's playing Snow White is, cons- is considered. I think it's interesting that they make, if you wanted to make a different movie, why don't you make her look different? She looks exactly, exactly like the character from the cartoon. Well, why don't we just rewrite To Kill a Mockingbird? <laughs> well, my thing I mean, is... This I, is stupid. I, I agree. I may um I'm having some audio problems here. Um, okay. <laughs> that kind of morning. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm all for, you know, I'm, I'm all for girl power, you know, like 
Princess Leia, you know, saves the day many times. So and do do a Power Girl movie. Create a new movie, but don't, yeah, call it, don't call it Snow White. I don't understand. Yeah. My thing with this, I mean, okay, so the, I know they're trying to say girl power, which I, yeah. I'm all about it. You know, I fight men every day about all sorts of things. But um, I'm with you. Make another movie. I mean, call it something else. Yeah. And my thing, my takeaway here is... Uh, why is she scared of Snow White and she couldn't watch it again? That's <laughs> I, my, I mean, if you're talking about girl power, you face your fear and you watch Snow White until you're not scared of it anymore. I mean, you don't... I'm sorry. I'm going down a different path here. It must have been that part where they went, Hi-oh! <laughs> it's <laughs> off to work we go. That would I mean, scare any millennial just, now going off well, to work. Yes, yes. <laughs> that That is more accurate. That You read my mind when I was watching it. I think I was coming from it from a different point than you guys, you know, maybe being female. And I get that you, you don't want a hero to come in and save you all yeah. the time. You know, you do want to say, I can save myself. Right. Because a lot of women have to save themselves you know from all sorts of situations well, which I'm cool with that just but, create, just but, create a new story yeah well, yes, let, story. i mean let, but you know there yeah. is a place and time for like magical things and sometimes i mean i don't understand this I, i'm gonna have to do more research i'm coming in here cold on this snow yeah, white I thing know. but i'm just amazed that she said she was scared of the movie yes i and mean didn't watch it for 16 or 17 years until she watched it because she had to read the script I don't, I don't, of the movie she I was getting ready to make. I don't understand. I mean, that's the whole thing with, like, a snowflake. You, fa- I mean, if she is going to be this tough, snow-powerful powerful woman and doesn't need a man, she needs to power up herself and watch that movie, uh, face her... I mean, what was she afraid of? I'm going to have to... I don't know what... I, I think, I think, I she, needs to, I think but, she needs to see that therapist from TikTok... I mean, that's what I think. <laughs> well, my thing is, well, she's she scared might of be it. able to understand. She is, yeah, I mean. she is. Uh, she's scared of it, but she's going to take it on. But you know, I say that some people just want to keep Snow White the way it is. I mean, you know, some. I was never into the Disney princesses. I was really upset when Princess Leia became, you know, bought by Disney and mm-hmm. technically became into that princess realm. Right. I was never into all these fairy tale things of, you know. But sometimes, you know, you do want to escape, and maybe you do want a hero to save the day sometimes. Well, here's the key. And if Roman, you say you you're, make, you're doing a remake, it means that you should be at least loyal to the original, to, to the original movie. Well, you know, I say this about that. You know, there's, there's plenty of great writers out there writing screenplays about all sorts of things. Sure. Maybe just something totally original and not even go back to that. Might sleep. be a good thing to do. That's right. right. Instead of these these producers and and all like just rehashing stuff that we grew up. But I'm on. Gonna, I'm going to tell you. Here's what's going to happen. This movie is going to tank at the box office. It's already starting to tank out. Oh, yeah. As it's people going. talk about this, they're getting ticked off about it. Yeah, all you're going to have is weirdos watching it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. My wife, and you talk about this, because I'm very proud of my wife. My mom was very accomplished, and I mean, and they had to scratch and claw, both of them, for everything. And my wife is so educated, so smart. I make clear to everybody, she is the smartest person in our household. She is the rock. She is the strongest. She is the powerful. But she loves Snow White, and she loves Cinderella. Yeah. She loves those stories, 
And so I'm talking about a very strong, powerful woman who is so accomplished and has fought, had to fight to be where she's at, to overcome the things you talk about with men being given. It's true. And she is, and I'm so proud of her, but, but at the same time, I want to go, it's okay for her to enjoy Snow White and Cinderella. Right. You know, I I think I kind of had problems with those stories. Like, I liked the other Disney movies, like the Aristocats and those yeah. little cute things, you know. Because um, I kind of had a problem with, with but but their escapism. You know, you sure. want to, and, and I don't care who you are, whether you're whatever side of the spectrum you're on. You know, at the end of the day, you do kind of want to think, you know, there's romance and there's this, like, magical yeah. world and there's dwarves. And I said that. And, you know, and there's singing birds and hey, what, I mean, talking birds or isn't cats. That, isn't or, that why you read those books yes, and watch those they're, movies? there's children's books. I mean, like you, like you love the Star Wars shows in Princess Leia. Yeah. Okay. There's a reason you watch those. You know, you enjoy that. It's an escape. Yeah. And like, I, yes, you know, I, I love, um, I do love Cinderella. I think it's a, you know, Snow White, I never, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't scared of it. I yeah. just, it did, Snow White didn't resonate with me. I just think that, I just think, and here again, I'm not trying to speak for women. But I just think that you can be a strong, powerful uh, woman, take charge woman, and still believe, and still like stories about Prince Charming. I am 100% agree with that. Yeah. And I also just have a problem with Hollywood just rehashing the same thing and changing it and well you know, rewriting rewriting yeah. and and changing the original story clock and uh, nine o'clock uh, Joey McCutcheon's going to join us yes we're going to talk about him there's some things going on about FOIA Susie's got stuff uh, locally that she wants to talk about as I mean let me tell you what she's got pages of stuff she's ready today she is ready. You got. I'm going to get the sound. We need a sound effect to add to the uh, the stuff that we got here. I need the sound of a lightsaber. You know, that'd be easy. you know, that'd be the Luke. I'm your father. You know, we need play that when Susie's on with her stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to get to all, to get to all of that. Uh, Susie gets upset with me because my favorite part of the the first three movies. Is Princess Leia Jabba the Hutt's lair? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, listen. Don't worry about it, Dave, because they're going to rewrite it. Well, yeah, oh, they're yeah. going to remake it, and then re- I don't know to put her in a well, suit yeah. of armor or something. Yeah. yeah, no bikini. Yeah, no. Bikini. But you know, she does save the day by killing him. Yeah, that's you well, know. Princess and Leia may be be non-binary in the in the no remake, right? no. <laughs> That's, no, I'm that's just when, saying. You can bring that up. That yeah. is just when saying. I will start to really protest. <laughs> you cut Han Solo out. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on the street with a sign I'm with protesting. You. I understand. <laughs> I understand. But I'm, it, I don't know where they can go anymore. I mean, kind of the thing that I'm liking about what they're doing with Star Wars now is that they're they're finding, you know, small characters and giving them big stories. Now, I kind of like that. I wish they would have done better on uh, uh, who's the bounty hunter because I always thought he was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he was hardly in Star Wars, to be honest. Oh, I mean, he, Boba Fett. Yeah, Boba Fett. Fett. Yeah. I mean, he fell. Who? He fell, he fell in a. <laughs> Boba what? He was eaten by a big sandworm <laughs> from Dune that lost itself in the Star Wars universe somehow. <laughs> 
haven't figured that okay. one out, but it did. We're going to have to get him a, a primer on uh, yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, get him caught up on that. Yeah. Isn't that funny, though, about when you look at at uh, Star Wars, how much they did? he stole from Dune? Yes. I mean, yes. he did. He took a lot of yeah. stuff from Dune. And nobody says anything about that. Nobody asks him about that. To, even today, they don't ask no. him about that. Here's what, I, here's what I will say about Star Wars, my <laughs> limited knowledge of it. Here's what I say about it. It has withstood the, time, the test of time, and it has made billions and billions of dollars. So people, it's a market, and people enjoy it. Well, yeah, well, yeah and it was the first, like, real action yeah. movie that sold merchandise. Because remember, yeah. yeah, Carrie Fisher would say that. Kenner, Lucas Kenner was smart. Owned her image, you know her. You know, yeah. like she looked in the mirror and said, "I'm paying George Lucas right now." Yep, all the time. <laughs> I mean, Kenner made a gazillion yeah. dollars off yeah. of Star Wars merchandise. I don't know about Princess Leia, but I know Carrie Fisher. I always said, "What's on her mind?" I, well, that's why my friends think I'm yeah. her. <laughs> so, yeah. She's an interesting. She was an interesting lady. Yeah, yeah. She was. and there, funny and a great no writer. Right. Yeah, very talented writer on her own accord. Not. You know, with novels and memoirs, yeah. yeah she was a, a very interesting but the, the, person. But I think the point is, is... Passed away too early. I think we're making the analogy is remaking and rewriting and redoing Snow White would be like trying to rewrite and redo Star Wars. It's not going to happen. Well, here's my... And I mean, here's the other thing that, that bothers me is that the whole thing about the dwarfs, the guy who got that all started was Dinklage, who is a great actor in and of himself who has been able to step out of being a, uh, a, a small person, say, we'll say it that way, and uh, has, you know, he's got one of the greatest parts of Elf in the whole movie when he goes crazy, when, they, guy, when, uh, when, they call, when he calls him a, a dwarf. <laughs> Made me laugh, you know. I did, I, I'm concerned. not seeing what's offensive about saying dwarves, though. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Well, I, mean, I don't understand why it was made illegal for to stop dwarf tossing. And the reason, and I understand when people say, well, that's terrible that it was, was done. Well, maybe so, but they wanted to be tossed because they were making a lot of money at it. I, there were so many uh, people that were doing that you know putting on the velcro soup and you threw them up against the wall and they stuck yeah. on the wall uh that uh, if, if the person being thrown doesn't have a problem with it what's the deal what's the deal there and I've, i wish i knew this guy's name because i catch him on reels on facebook stuff I, he's, he's hilarious he's a dwarf or a midget or whatever you say and his whole routines are about that and he is freaking hilarious yeah and he is making money and he tells you man i'm making money of this, and I mean, he's happy and enjoying life. I don't see the problem. Well, I don't either. But then again, I'm not a midget, so I don't know. I not. I have to. I'd have to walk a mile in their little shoes. What can I say? I mean, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm watching. I'm watching. Well, I was googling the history of Snow White. Oh, you were okay. Well, we can't acknowledge <laughs> reality. No, it's a silly. It's, no. it's like whenever I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching television, and I come across Christmas Vacation. I got to watch it from wherever I start yeah. at, because it's it's just a silly movie, and I love watching it. I mean, I, I, you, we hear if that it clip has to the, do it, with uh, if it has to do with uh, the guy emptying out his. Sorry, I'm trying to put emptying out his in, out of his motorhome yeah, into yeah. yeah. 
empty it out the poop. It's full. I won't say what he said, but he says full. It's it so funny. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, Dreyfus is in that movie. It's one of the first movies she ever did. And she's so good in that movie. She's yeah. she's one of the yuppies in that movie. Yeah. And and she's so funny when when the the ice comes out of the gutter and goes through their window and lands on all of their high tech electronic gear yeah. and then melts on top of it and shorts it all out and it's just great <laughs> stuff. It's just such great stuff. I love it. Love that movie and loves and, and just love, you know, s- silly stuff. I mean I I love I love this. This is yeah, something like that it. I love. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, hopeless, <laughs> hopeless, heartless, fat, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty lip, worm headed sack of monkey. He is. Hallelujah. I, Holy. I take offense. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Just love all that stuff. I don't know. That Chevy Chase. I really take offense when he when he talked about the dog kissing. Yeah. I mean, what, what's wrong with <laughs> kissing a dog? Okay. I, that, that takes us back to the story I was telling you earlier Dave. about <laughs> Kentucky. Oh yeah, and yeah. I, that's and, where I was going. And with I'm not going to get <laughs> no, into it. We're not it. getting into. I'm not getting into it, just so that, that you know. Susie Parker is here. We're going to get to her story in just a moment. She's got voluminous material today, and this is great. I'm loving this, that as these investigations go out and go on, more and more information comes up. And and I'm just going to say what I've always said on this show, and that is typically whatever you've done, that you're trying to cover up, it's the cover-up that's worse yeah. than whatever you've done. That's that's always the worst thing. By the way, I, I understand that we've got a special guest this uh, half hour. Yeah, Joey McCutcheon, bulldog attorney, a guy that really stands up for uh, – you know the average citizen's rights under for you, and there and there's uh, civil rights, and uh, he's got a he had a case in Paragul for a gentleman he represented that the city council and mayor violated his first amendment. Hey, rights. Joey is yeah. the man. I'm just telling you, he and Robert are the men yeah, when it comes it, to FOIA, and they fight for. The ability of free without FOIA, you do not have freedom of speech. No, and and Joey fights for the little guy. I mean, and, and Joey gets in there and fights for the every citizen. Joey, you're on here, right? I am. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. there. He's he's hanging. He's hanging. Tell, with us. tell us what happened in Paragould. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> John Williams, who's a citizen uh, in in Paragould, wanted to, uh, in fact, came before the city council and the mayor and uh, wanted to talk to them about uh, uh, getting uh, basically having people run with a Republican, Democrat or independent behind their names, um, so-called uh, partisan politics. Uh, he spoke to them on, in August and there was no, no response, no action taken, no feedback given. Uh, so he came back in, in September uh, to to address the board, the mayor again, and uh, at that point, the mayor asked him, "Are are you here again on behalf of partisan politics?" When he, when he answered yes, uh, 
he was told, we've already heard your argument. We appreciate your time, but we're not going to hear you again tonight. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's viewpoint discrimination, and uh, that violates our, our First Amendment rights. Um, and when we see that, that ultimately there was an election held on the issue, uh, the mayor uh, wrote, uh, he wrote to the local payer, paper an extensive uh, article on, on, on this subject and uh, speaking against partisan politics and, and uh, was in fact involved with, with a, a group that um, was involved, ultimately involved in the election. Uh, and uh, he participated with a group called Keep Government Local Committee um, and was very, very active. So it, it was very clear that he was trying to, to stop my client, John Williams, from uh, speaking regarding partisan politics. And as a result of that, what happened from there? How did you get involved? Well, John was convinced that, and it was pretty clear because because of FOIA, you know, all of these and and what the improvements we've made with FOIA over the years, uh, there wasn't any guesswork to this because it was all on video uh, is all on videotape, and so we were able to to go to both of those meetings, view what occurred, uh, and we're not there's no guesswork to it. Uh, like there would have been many years ago when we did not re uh, require government uh, officials to record their meetings. So uh, to sneak in a plug for FOIA here, again, another beauty of a, the Freedom of Information Act and the positive things that we've been able to do to FOIA over the years. Um, it, it was clear that his First Amendment rights were, were violated uh, he was not allowed to speak because of his particular viewpoint on this issue. Uh, we ended up filing a lawsuit uh, in um, uh, down in Paragould and in, in their circuit court, and uh, <clears throat> um, you know went through all the process. Uh, didn't make it to a hearing. Uh, <clears throat> ultimately, I believe we originally sued only the city of Paragould, but Eventually, we amended the complaint and added uh, Mayor Josh Josh Agee, and I think that got I think that got their attention, and uh, ultimately we proposed a, a settlement. Uh, our final settlement offer was: you agree to pay one dollar um, and admit that you violated Mr. Williams' uh, First Amendment rights, and. Uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, move on here. Uh, they held, held a a uh, I it, our original offer was a five thousand dollar offer uh, and admit violations. The most important part, obviously, was admitting that they violated. And they wrote back and said, "We deny your offer." To which I said, "When was that meeting held?" Where where the council made a decision uh, to uh, decline, you know, this offer. And then they ultimately, we ultimately uh, came back and said, okay, $1, admit, 
and and they had a then they had a formal council meeting, uh, and I think um, only one of them at that point uh, voted in voted to accept the offer again an offer that would have saved uh, Paragould thousands of dollars and uh, to just uh, one dollar pay one dollar and admit that you violate and they said no and instead they sent what's called an offer of judgment and uh, uh, sent an offer of judgment uh, in the amount of twenty five hundred dollars offering to pay our litigation expenses and attorney fees uh, also they would not have to go on record and say that they violated uh, mr williams constitutional rights and which obviously it's it's uh you know this offer of judgment they they can play semantics all they want but when they're offering twenty five hundred dollars and we'll pay your litigation expenses and attorney fees uh, that's pretty much an admission that they violated his his uh, First Amendment rights. So, Mr. Williams ultimately accepted that offer, and that's where we are today. It, it's unbelievable. It's like listening to the therapist that we played yeah. for everybody <laughs> in the last half hour, and you listen to him, and he talks for forty five seconds, and it was like, what? Yeah. What is he trying to say? What are they? What are what? What are they trying to say? You know, they're not saying anything other than we're guilty. Yeah, I mean, is that not what they're saying to you, there, Joey? You know, that's absolutely whether you call it an offer of judgment <laughs> yeah. or uh, <laughs> you know, here here's our offer, and you say you violate violated our First Amendment, uh, my client's First Amendment rights. Uh, to me, it's the same effect. Yeah. Uh, but and cost you more money in the long run. That that that's a perfect example of stupidity on a political level. I mean, it's. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it seriously is. Well, to these folks, it's monopoly money. To you and yes. I, it's our tax dollars, right, that's Joey? Right. But to them, it's monopoly money. Well, that's yes. right. When you're when you're spending other people's money, I guess you can. Turn down an offer where you're going to pay one dollar, and then offer twenty five hundred plus attorney fees. Uh, right. So let me ask this question: Will this is this a good basis, to, a good precedent for anybody else that has their First Amendment rights uh, being trying to be squashed? I.e., Jimmy Cavan, I.e., Susie Parker, when they're trying to speak to these people at at uh, city council meetings and they can bring us up and these people are going to understand that they're they're standing on no legal authority at all i think it's a good arkansas example of of uh what sends a loud and clear message to mayors and and city councils that you know you cannot discriminate against somebody because you don't like their viewpoint it's what the, it's what this country was founded on and uh to to allow a mayor to sit up there and say we're not going to hear you tonight and then turn around and let a pastor give his viewpoint on an issue he had spoken on or another citizen do the same uh it, it's a dangerous precedent to set uh and that's the reason we felt strongly that a lawsuit needed to be brought an important lawsuit and i think it does send a message uh, across this state that 
you know, just because you don't like what Jimmy Cavins say, you better let him talk. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Exactly. I mean, it really is. Jimmy, got one more question? Yeah, uh, Joey, I want to talk about when, when for the average citizens, because this happens a lot where people have got their First Amendment rights trampled on in school board meetings, city council meetings, corn court meetings. So when the government, when these governing bodies create a open public forum with those public comment section, at that point, uh, the First Amendment, you tell me if I'm wrong, but at that point, the First Amendment applies. They cannot limit your free speech. Is that correct? That's right. I mean, they can they can set rules. They can set rules where they're not letting anybody talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they can't they can't say well, we're going to let uh, you know we're going to let uh, you know Pastor Pastor John talk, but we're not going to let Jimmy Cavin talk. Right. Uh, right. So they can set consistent, rule, not arbitrary rules, uh, and 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 you know govern their meetings accordingly. And that that's that's obviously important too. But if they're going to allow, if they're going to allow uh, the pastor three minutes to talk, then on his subject, then they have to let Jimmy Cavan have his uh, talk also. All right. Joey, I'll let you go. I appreciate your hard work. This is a this is a victory uh, that can be used uh, against uh, people who think that they have more power than what they have. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate you. Can I have one more thing here? Yeah, quickly. Yeah, there was an election, and and the voters voted for partisan politics, fifty six to forty four percent. So ultimately, well, people had their say on this. There you go. All right, we appreciate you. Thank you very much. We we appreciate you being on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Hillside Designer and Jewelry. Uh, What's the weather like out there? It's hot, real hot. Hot in this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. All right. So we're back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's not as hot out now as it has been, but we'll be back to that by Sunday, just so you know. Oh, yeah. We'll be doing doing crotch pot cooking here uh, (laughs) in the near future. Not not, not 100, 100. 100. Yeah, 100. 100. Uh, I'm looking across and uh, in here in the studio today, uh, Suze Parker's here, a lot of things going on. Something went down at one of the schools today, Jimmy. What, what happened? Yeah, yesterday, and it's going to lead in what Susie's going to talk about. Yesterday, uh, at North Little Rock School District at Amboy Elementary School, elementary kid comes to school with a gun. Okay. And which is pretty disturbing. And uh, the, the the district. Man, that's not pretty disturbing. That's just that's, plain flat out disturbing. Yeah, it's very disturbing. They've got. <laughs> Apparently, they've got detection systems uh, over there, but the students at the elementary schools don't go through them. Only adults and parents Mm -hmm. and visitors. Well, now we're to a point, I guess, we're going to have to put the elementary kids through the detection system when they enter because the kid brought a gun to school. Yeah, you had to figure out how to keep it out. Yeah, that's bottom line. Now, the district, uh, they should take flag forward. you know about how they alert parents and things which is going to be what Susie's going to go into in Sheridan because this is really disturbing in Sheridan as much as this but uh yeah it's just kind of crazy and actually Paige Eckhorn I hope I say her name right Paige Eckhorn 
uh, a reporter with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette has been doing phenomenal work in North Little Rock. Plus, she's just cute. Uh, broke that story yesterday, and that's how most of the parents found out was her breaking the story, which is shouldn't happen. No. And so, but that's telling you what happened yesterday at North Little Rock. But then all of a sudden, boom, just down the road in Sheridan. So yeah, last night around ten forty, parents um, and my phone started blowing up too because. Um, you know, I've made a lot of contacts over in, in uh, Sheridan. Um, they got a, uh, a text message on their alert system um, if, if, if parents are signed up for their system. Not every parent is signed up. Um, it said, SSD families, to make you aware, a threat to Sheridan High School was identified this evening. Law enforcement is taking every action to provide for the safety of students. There will be an increased presence of law enforcement patrolling our campuses, and all safety precautions will be in place. There is an open investigation into this matter. Please understand that our highest priority in the Sheridan School District is to keep our students and staff safe from harm. We understand if you wish to keep your child home from school tomorrow, we will provide updates on the situation as they are available. Now, that is a text message that went out last night at 1040. A lot of parents were probably asleep. They have to work in the mornings. Um, And in rural Arkansas, I cannot stress this enough, you do not always have great cell service. So um, you may have your internet on, but you may not be getting a text message. There are times, I mean, we're surrounded by pine trees. A lot of us are down there. So let me, let me ask you real quick. Did they put this notification, they texted, but did they put it out on their website or social media? No. And wow. that's my next thing, because wow. a lot of parents get their information from, the, from a school website. For example, Verizon does not have... Um, even a public facebook page it's a private group you've got to be approved to get in it sheridan does have one they did not they have not put this alert on their facebook page yesterday they put two great days of learning at east end middle this morning while with sheridan and that's the way i came to little rock was from rising through sheridan to to get the pulse of the of the town um and people were talking about it in in the gas station um no, they've had an opportunity to uh, to put this on their Facebook page this morning. Instead, they're talking about the Enneagram, which is a personality test, and all these teachers took it. Meanwhile, so they've got this shiny, happy thing going while everyone in Sheridan, from the gas station to the back roads, are talking about this threat. I do have the law, uh, 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 law enforcement official has confirmed and has said um, that there is an ongoing investigation and extra officers are present at the schools. So that is, I mean, it, it is a credible threat. Yeah, well, see, that just makes it worse because they said there's a credible threat, but they're not telling you what the credible threat right. is. That's Susie Parker here, of course, uh, also here is Jimmy Cavan. And uh, we heard from Jimmy and, and from uh, Joey McCutcheon out in Fort Smith about uh, the FOIA victory that they've they've had. Uh, it imperative for you in First Amendment. It yeah. was. It, it is. It's a big deal. That is know? a big deal. Yeah. It is. And, and if you ever go and speak before your, uh, you know, city council, or your school board, or whatever, know that you have the right uh, to speak unless you got one of those school boards or city councils that don't let anybody say who. You know. Yeah. You know when they say when when anybody talk uh, to that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, they, they, they play that sound effect. 
you know, that's showing that they don't want to hear what you have to they, say. Because the, they don't. They, they don't want to hear it, which is ridiculous. Now, what we heard Susie talking about is concerning. They send out a, a text, evidently. Sheridan School District. The Sheridan School about. District did. And they've had problems with their texts before, i.e., their school buses. Uh, kids being left on the side of the road and things because the texts don't go through. Why don't they have something that they can be sure of that that parents are getting this information? Exactly. You've got email, but then, you you know, as much as we love, hate Facebook, it's how we get information now. And, you know, I'm, I'm just shocked that the school district an hour ago posted this great all these teachers going through a personality test yesterday apparently when well, f- well, f- I, mean, I won't even a, get into that but no, that'll, be down the, that'll be down the road sometime um but but sheridan is just you know literally burning up with this news because you know i stopped this morning I talked people, to people want to know what's going yes, on because you've got a credible threat you got law enforcement it's not like it's just a rumor it is law enforcement saying this is a credible threat we haven't presence on our camp on their campuses today and they don't even post parents were blowing up facebook today asking you know well if i keep my kid at home will it be excused you've got to go to this school board you've got to assume you even know the school board member jacob palmer who is getting the news out that says that the sheridan school district will be excusing absences today but how do parents know to go who they probably don't even know who he is but that's him and doing then, it, not the district. that's right and then on his personal facebook page and he i mean it's open but and then he said that he asked last night for clarification on the attendance policy for today quote we got approval from the secretary of education this morning to excuse absences in light of the threat well, that should be on the school district's page, not a school board member's yeah, absolutely. page. That yeah. They do not need to be pretending that everything is sunshine and roses over there. Well, to be honest, it should be on everybody's Facebook page. It should be on everybody. the district's, Every, the district's it, it website, should, right. the district's page. They should be texting that out. That's right. They, should, they need to, yes, they need to be texting that. And, and they do not, one hour ago, knowing that every parent in, in that school district was freaked out because all they had to do was go on Facebook or talk to one of them because I have. My phone's blowing up right now from people around Sheridan messaging me, asking me what's going on. I mean, put it on your Facebook page. You, you, you can use it for good news and you can use it for, you know, when a parent needs to be, when a community needs to know a threat. I covered the Watson Chapel threats that they had last fall and they immediately would put out an alert. You know, that both text and on their Facebook page, they'd give parents updates throughout the, the situation. Um, they had a game plan. This this looks like a failure on having a crisis management plan. Well, I appreciate the school board member on his page contacting the superintendent saying, hey, what's going on? And then him putting it out. But what he should be saying to the superintendent is, why are you doing this? Why is the district not? putting this information out for the parents and why am why i having ev- usually every school has their own facebook page as well yes. yeah. why wouldn't every school not have this on there at yeah. the very top of it that's right have a sticky note that's right well, there in yes, the top. And, and they're talking about this personality test because it was a, because they took this test yesterday they were able to deepen our connection and open up the possibility for more compassion understanding and empathy a team that works well together performs better communicates better and enjoys more purpose-filled work 
Hashtag be a difference maker. Isn't that the usual BS? Yeah. I'm just sorry. I, I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's shocking to me. That makes me want to throw up. Well, it does me too, especially considering that my phone started blowing up at 1040 last night. It continued throughout the night. It continued this morning to the point where that's why I was late. I drove through. The, I, I took the long way through Sheridan up, up to Little Rock, um, stopping to talk to people, uh, trying to get comment. I have sent in um, to Andy Mayberry, the communications director, Carla Nethery, the superintendent, and Chris Boland, the CFO, asking them for a comment uh, that I was going on air. Right. I would like to comment about the situation. Crickets. You know. As usual, that is par, well, you, par for the course with that school district. You had read in their original, in their text messages, is always, and I'm just paraphrasing what they said, is, is always the safety and security of our students and staff is our top priority. I want to focus on what, where they said top priority, because apparently that's not the case, because instead of posting about a nice fluffy story about teachers, which is fine, we should be posting, hey, about that about that threat here's the notice here's an update here's what jacob oliva said right you know that kind of stuff right right and i may i may uh, they did not take that that personality test last week i'm sorry they took it i mean they took they didn't take it yesterday they took it last week so this is actually old news they've posted I've but just that shouldn't this. it should not be there it should yeah. be we have a credible threat law enforcement presence is on our campus today they need to be reassuring parents that their kids are safe and they're going to all levels to make sure that happens i agree well they said top priority they said but it, well, it they, isn't but it is no, yeah. no they say a lot of things i have stacks of paper here of things they've said and, and then if you're just at home wondering what's going on you're a parent it's like where's the tylenol yeah you know you want to know where the tylenol is because you need a couple of you tabs know, it to get rid of the headache you we, got we can throw this back to the snow white you know la la land honestly i've covered a lot of school districts and i have to say that one totally lives in a fairy tale okay doesn't surprise me no all right no, well you've got more than yeah. Yeah, we, so, we, yeah we we've just I'm, yes. look we're scratching the surface right now hang in it's going to get the for the people in sheridan as much as they don't like my show already on the city council and things like that and school board the ride's going to get bumpy fasten your seatbelt. well and the and yeah and the 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 thing about it is this is information that people statewide need to hear because they need to know what happens in districts so that they can watch their district when it happens in theirs yeah. they, it won't be a shock yeah uh, i'm just telling you this goes on all over the place well yeah. and you know you know i'm from palm bluff originally that's my hometown and it does get a bad rap does it have crime yes is it or is the community coming together to try and solve that problem yes living in that corner of the world that part of the state everyone likes to put focus on all the horrible things that happen in pine bluff you know and everything surrounding that area is is like fairy tale land well this is proof right here that that is not the case that this can happen in anyone's community at any time, it's this the world we live in this day and age. But they but have, they have a responsibility. They do. They and need to put that on their Facebook page. Yeah. Well, and, moving away from what we're talking yes. about there, what's happened with the bus thing? Did they get that straightened out? Because we're still the, only got eleven. I mean, drivers. because I mean, inc- school has started now. They've increased um, some of their bus drivers. Um, to be honest. I have not. I I got all the bus driver contracts dumped on me um, Monday afternoon. I think 
I've got thousands of pages from my long-going battle with that school district over the Freedom of Information. I got thousands of pages dumped on me Monday night and so Monday afternoon late. So you're digging. I'm yeah. digging. But so I, I, I think there were some bus problems yesterday in that um, some uh, administrators are having to drive buses that have CDL license. Um, I think that's what I heard yesterday, but that was a long time ago. So I know okay. we're going to get into other stuff, but, th- yes. but the reason you don't have the numbers on the bus drivers is because you've asked for them, and they just now gave them to you. Monday night. They gave me all the contracts. But you've been asking for that for a while. Yes. And, and so you just for, now yes. get so. Yes. Yeah, several weeks. And I have literally files and files. and th- th- When I say thousands of pages, I'm not joking. I no. finally got them with right. some of your help, too. Well, we got more coming. <laughs> We got more coming. Hang on, we've got uh, who? Who was it that you got the uh, email from? I got it from the school board president of the Sheridan School District, Jeff Lizenby, okay. on a Sunday night at nine fifty four. We want to read that too. Yes, they love to. Uh, they love apparently to send these messages out like around ten o'clock because that's what time the message went out for parents last night. All right, back with you. Look, I I go back with the Sheridan School District quite some time, Mount. I don't know, 2015, 2016, uh, when they were trying to to raise property taxes and because they wanted to build this building and that building and make this building better and that building better and whatnot. And I kept saying, you know, you better find out how they want to do all of this before you give your okay to do it. Well, the the chickens have come home to roost now, all right, and we're starting – to and and we can thank uh, Susie for this because she's digging into this and we're starting to find out how it all works down in Sheridan and so I'm going to turn it back over to her now so she can bring this information to you go um, yes I got in I, I got curious about the Sheridan School District as we know um, or you may not know but when the former superintendent of that school district uh, started working in the school district where I live, the Cleveland County School District. And um, so people were asking who this person was. So I started digging, like the reporter that I am, <laughs> you know, who is this guy? Well, I opened up this huge can of worms that actually does go back to what you're exactly talking about, 2016 and the millage. And how did they spend all that money yeah. that they got? You know, because they're... Because they, they didn't tell anybody. That's right. Yeah. And they still don't want to tell anyone. So um, they had a work session. So they've got this school board that's a very curious entity. And um, we could talk all day about them. And I do most days. That's why I have no voice. <laughs> and um, But in April, they had a work session. And work session files are, ve- are, are available under Freedom of Information. And they're audio files, and they're very interesting things that are discussed in these uh, work uh, across uh, across all districts. And so in this one from April that I got under FOIA, um, there's a school board member, Stan Hancock, and he's just – well, let me back up a little bit. Um, Baquette Keys, their attorneys, the school's attorneys. Yeah, Beckett, Billingsley, Keys, yes, Jay Beckett, them, and Cody yes. Keys. They went down to Sheridan. They held a work session on Freedom of Information – what you could release, your 1599s, which tell you your financial disclosures, what you're involved in as a school board member. Um, so they have this training. It's essentially a training. They also talk about how they have a secret file on the former superintendent 
that um, I'm still trying to obtain that. But um, they have this um, they have the school board members, Stan Hancock, fairly new to the board. He's discussing a scenario of his company, if his company was doing business with the school indirectly. And in that, the school board, now the school board president, he got elected in June, um, but he's been on the school board. He got elected as president in June. He was then um, a school, he's been a school board member for 22 years. He then explains his circumstances that he sells roofing products and he gets a commission. And we have the audio of that. Okay, so we're going to play this for you. You're going to have to listen closely because, you know, it's not like they try to do it for, you know, television presentation. They'll do it as bad as they can to make it difficult to understand. But, okay, listen to this. Yeah. 
Okay, so let me, let me get this for, exactly here. From what I just heard that gentleman say, it was, at first we disclosed it, then we were told we didn't have to disclose it, and the lawyer there was telling him, now, if I were you, I'd be disclosing it. That's correct. And that made me start to go down this path of what roofing, what are they talking about? Um, and I, it, it ties back to the millage and all the money they got in 2016 from that. And so I started digging. And that's what I, I've talked about, you know, my famous uh, July 4th Freedom of Information Act that I sent on the 4th of right. July. Um, when everybody else was shooting fireworks, I guess I I, I got mine, though. Well, you I, shot fireworks, I, I shot, too. Well, yes. And so I kept digging. And I, that, that was July um, 4th. So they'd have it on July 5th. I was stonewalled and stonewalled, and I asked for all contracts connected to this company that um, the, the, they do contract worth. It's called Roof Connect. Jeff Lizenby, um, who you heard saying, I used to disclose it, but now I don't. Now, who is he exactly? He is the board president okay. now. Got elect- When he was in April, he was not. Got elected in June as the board president, and he's also the vice president of the Arkansas School Boards Association on um, – on Sunday, August 6th, we got. I had asked for clarification on one document I got and um, did not. Um, this is what I got in return. I just said these num- numbers don't add up. This week's show, final hour. We've got uh, Jimmy Cavan here, Susie Parker here. Susie has just tore the top off of a story here on the, on the, on the, on the station. It's great. I love it when I see hard work. Yield results. She she's been working hard on it. She's just been facing roadblock after roadblock, and she finally, through persistence, busted through the roadblock and is now getting some information. That's the difference between somebody who just does this for fun, and somebody who does it because they're a reporter. Yeah, yeah. muckraker. Yeah, a muckraker. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But that's a reporter. Yeah. Well, that's, she she's about to. She's, those were good reporters in the day. She's been relentless on this, and she's about to. You're about to find out that it's upset some people. Yes. Well, let me let me back up about the the audio you heard. Yeah. That's um, about the uh, roofing products. That is uh, someone named Jeff Lizenby, who's now the school board president. He's been on for 22 years. I mentioned Roof Connect. I might add that um, uh, another school board member is the president of Roof Connect, mm. Wade Crosswhite. And um, it appears from some of my, before I read the, uh, the email I got from Jeff Lizenby, the school board president, that one thing I have researched and, and kind of have pieced together is this mysterious 1913 administration building that's historic. And it appears from just, you know, on the on the surface that um, it appears to be over four hundred thousand dollars replacing the roof on that building and it and doing other improvements like power washing and that appears to have been uh, roof connect as the construction manager of that building when as you mentioned about the the millage yep. nabholds was the uh, overall the construction manager for for all of that but this 1930, my, I'm zeroing in on this 1913 building, and I have not gotten all the documents connected to it. Like I said um, earlier, I did get a huge thousands of pages dumped finally Monday afternoon. But that was a battle for the last six weeks, and that is one reason I wasn't on the show. Um, one of these two weeks I missed yeah. was because I was 
literally in the trenches fighting for these documents, um, saying, I will pick them up in person. What do you need? I want them, um, you know, and just not getting them. And so I did get one uh, curious contract from something called Pave Connect that is also owned by the same people that own Roof Connect. And they paved the the uh, parking lot at the, at the high school and put a yellow jacket emblem, painted it, um, spent anywhere from twenty one thousand to twenty four thousand, roughly. Now I full just full disclosure. All right, during a break I was talking to Susie and I said, you know, this is how they do this. I said, somebody has some kind of connection with somebody, like overlaying parking lots or something like that and she goes oh yeah and she's um, just right there know, brother-in-law and what we call it yeah you know and some yeah. people spent their summer at the beach and doing nice you know going to you know i don't know scotland yeah. ireland i spent mine in sheridan fighting um for these documents and relentlessly and thank you for saying you that fought Jimmy. For the people <laughs> I, I thank you yeah. and because of that i got a email from jeff lisenby himself the board president um from his personal email account um from his work account where he's selling those roofing products and here on a sunday night at nine fifty four p.m august 6th and i'm going to read it miss parker we have a board meeting tomorrow night and i will gladly ask for farther ex- explanation of the two documents that are attached however if you will look at the scope of work described on each document it outlines two separate projects so they should not match we as a board and our administration will continue to lawfully reply to any FOIA request and we respectfully want to protect freedom of the press and speech as outlined in the constitution however as someone okay, who, let me just say it. He said, however, disregard what he just said. Okay, go ahead. However, as someone who's given my time for over 22 years to serve on a board for no monetary compensation, please understand that I'm very happy to, to, to comply with any FOIA requests because I feel that the decisions made by the board were in the best interest of the students and patrons of this district. Sorry. I love how he says patrons. Of the, this district. I also want to point out he did not say teachers. Going on with his email, as a board, we issue several contracts and enter into agreements with several service providers on a yearly basis. I am not certain why Roof Connect is the business you selected. I've been on the board from the very first contract with Roof Connect and would be glad to share with you how their services have saved us thousands of dollars on leak repairs for our district compared to what we were paying before we started doing business with Roof Connect. I do also know this about Roof Connect. They have been a great supporter of our school and students have reaped the benefits of their generosity. I also know they employ over 50 people in the Sheridan branch, and that means they are supporting the families of our district. These are the stories that are essential for making a small town great. As a 6A school functioning with one of the lowest millage rates across all classifications, 32 mills, it takes partners like Roof Connect, First Trust Home Loans, People's Bank, Shelby Taylor Trucking, Teeter Motors, McCoy Taggart Healthmark just to make our school great. There are many others, but I just named a few that support the school. Please don't re- miss re- Please don't misunderstand my response in the email. As the board president, we will comply with any requests made through the Freedom of Information Act. I just want there to be positive stories as well when documentation shows that the decisions were what were best for our kids and patrons. Sincerely, Jeff Lisenby, board president. 
So he's, he's yeah. I, you want anyway? Yeah, you yeah. want to say you want some cheese with that wine? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I can't believe. Here's the other. You said that he's is he's doing business on his school computer. This is from his work email address, and it, uh, I may add that he didn't just send it to me. He sent it to Andy Mayberry, who is the the uh, communications director. He sent it to Carla Nethery, the superintendent, who is actually the custodian yes. of the school rec- uh, the school you know the school yes. pay- documents. Okay. Uh, Chris Bolin, the CFO, he also sent it to um, all members of the school board, which I had sent them. He replied all because I wanted to know why these numbers did not match up. He also sent it to um, Jacob, who I can never say his last name. Uh, Bollinger? No, Jacob, the Department of Education guy. Oliva. 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 And uh, also C.C. Courtney Solace Ford at the Arkansas Department of Education on that email. Here's something I take exception to what the man said, and that is, you know, it's not that we have any problem with you talking about these stories, but we would like to have some positive stories. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and by doing business with our good friends, yes, I, I the ones, the ones that, we're, that, that, that we know personally, and we go out and have dinner with, and yeah. things of that nature. By going out and doing it with them, we're helping the school system. Like, please, please yeah. I'm, Roof can connect. You see, can you see? I'm turning green. Yeah. So you're writing. What the school is doing is writing check after check after check to Roof Connect to their friends. Yeah. That's who they're doing. Well, I love In fact, said, uh, I guess he does. He works for Roof Connect, right? No, he works for Lunday Associates, and they sell roofing products. Okay, they're all into roofing. But okay. the president of Roof Connect is Wade Crosswhite, who also sits on the school, the school board. board. Okay. okay, bottom line, and and talking about money off of it. Yeah. In my ongoing investigation into Roof Connect, I may add that I have acquired through the freedom obtained, I guess, through the freedom of information battle that I've been in over there. A series of emails from someone at Roof Connect that offered the former superintendent, Jared Williams, a trip to a roofing summit. And um, this is from Wendy Lights, who who at that time, this email is from 2019, was the uh, Roof Connect's national account manager. Um, Jared, below is a quick highlight of the events planned for the upcoming Master Facility Leadership Summit, as well as the link for registration. We have partnered with other facility maintenance providers to put together some educational sessions to give back to our customers and expand knowledge in the facility management maintenance industry. Um, To give back. uh The dates are June uh, 10th through 12th in Nashville, Tennessee. The Monday is just a welcoming event that night. Tuesday is a full day of education with another event uh, Tuesday night. Wednesday is education until noon, and then you are free. We will have industry experts on solar, flooring, parking lots, roofing, safety, HVAC, and asset management. Our sponsors have been able to donate enough that this summit and all events are free for you. Here is a link you can go in order to register for this summit. Jared Williams writes back, um, thank you for the invite. I am already committed with our overwhelming summer schedule. Please include me next year, and I will put the date on my calendar as soon as you all announce it. Announce it. Thanks again. He didn't say I can't accept it because it looks bad if I take it. I no. mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's it's not education. That's, you're being bought off. That's yeah. what's being happening. It's like here. what the reality is this. Okay, and I give him credit. He turned them down. Good job. 
when they when they sent that to say, hey, here's this trip, that's and they pass it off as trying to say education on roofing material. What it is is they want to keep you as a customer, so they're going to, what they're doing is saying we're going to give you a plus trip to Nashville. You can hang out, have fun. There's going to be some educational sessions, which is a sales deal, which mm-hmm. is a sales promotion on their products is what it is. And but the main thing is we want to give you this so next time so that we can keep you as a customer. So if you've had this nice trip to Nashville and this next uh, contract comes up, and everything and it's roof connect, you go. Man, I had a good time in Nashville, so let's do Roof Connect. Yeah. What can I say? Now, let me say this, too. I pulled something up, Susie, and and I don't want to get too far, Susie, because she, uh, she's got a lot of research to do on it. And, but Act 1599 and Act 1381—and I, do, I don't want to get out over the skis, but I will just say, generally prohibits school board members and school employees from contracting— with the district they serve. So you're digging in going forward. That's going to be interesting to see about that, isn't it? Yes. Can I just say, good job. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, seriously, it's a good job. So I spent my summer Well, you know what they bank on? And they don't bank on people like Susie because what they bank on is that they throw roadblocks, roadblocks, that they bank on people throwing up their hands and giving up, and she didn't give up. The The other thing they don't seem to understand is when he says hey we want some positive stories well look you know i i'd like positive stories too we all do but that's not what investigative reporters do no she's an investigative reporter she's not doing the the fluffy columns she's not doing the county fair list she's not let's going to eat do the fried a, twinkie a story yeah. for uh this test that they took no no, I want to know how much they paid for the test. Yeah, yeah. The she's an exactly investigative right. I mean, reporter. I do yeah. like to sometimes step away and write about, you know, kids playing sports. Yeah, sure. you do sure. And I do that. And, you know, I do like occasionally the fluffy, you know, I'm going to go on an alligator hunt. I do want to kind of do that, um, you know, kind of story. Mm-hmm. But if I'm on an investigation, I will not give no, up. I will a, not. You know, you you know, Dave, I covered the Clintons for over 20 yep. years. I mean, I'm not going to Well, I tell you what, if you've up. covered the Clintons, you can't give up. And, no, and I and will here's say. the other thing. You learned early and often you always follow the money. That's yeah. right, because that's what my dad taught me at the age of three, and I'm not joking. And, uh, <laughs> when he, he started saying, follow the money. And also, you know, I will say that I started covering Bill Clinton when I was in third grade and went on a field trip at the Capitol. So at an early age, like at eight, age eight, I said, you know, I tuned in. My friend had a crush on him. I'm like, oh, no, he was a little too nice to us. <laughs> I, I want to say this from me directly to Jeff Lisenby, okay? If, Jeff, if, if the district is following policies, uh, ethics and laws when it comes to services and procurement and expenditures on stuff then you got nothing to worry about well and i agree but you do have something to worry about when it's on tape and you said yeah we used to follow it then we didn't well, and now they say what, it, tell, follow it, what it tells me is he's sending you this email you've started uh digging into this and he's like trying to get ahead of it, sending you this email. Well, Jeff, if there's nothing there, exactly, what are you worried about? I was just curious about what was said on that audio, and I started down this path. It could have right, been so. he did not know when he. I mean, there was 
you're exactly right. I just wanted the documents to see what was there. If there was something, then it was there. If it wasn't, I would have said, okay, I'm on to another story. Yeah. You know, I'm on to another school. I'm on to, you know, go on an alligator hunt. <laughs> yeah, if, there, if there's nothing there, then there's no place for Susie to go. I'm just telling you, this is typical small-town politics. It, it really is. And uh, I don't have any problem if somebody's on the school board and they have a business that they're doing business with the school if they're following the law. They follow policy and law. Everything's fine. That's right. But typically what happens, that isn't what happens. That's right. I, I don't think in – in you're bringing up a point that I want to bring up. I'm all for doing business with local yes, businesses. Absolutely. I absolutely want to see it. But you just need to follow the law and policies. And when you deviate from that and somebody like Susie asks, starts asking – that's how you get emails from this guy. Or when you get you get uh, you know you get sound and you're listening to it, and the person who's talking is the school board president, and he says, "Yeah, when I started doing this, and he wasn't school board president at the time, I I had to report on this, and then I was told I didn't have to report on it, and now I'm hearing from you guys again that I got to report on it." Yeah, and I'll, I'll add, you know, when he, that work session was in August, they had a school board election in May, and then he became, he was nominated and, and approved to, uh, elected um, to be school board president in June. But he's been on the board for 22, 22 years. years. He knows what he's supposed to do. So for, yes, I mean, you know. and he's vice president of the Arkansas School Boards Association. I mean, they go then to train, really they go be. through yeah. trainings. You know, they get free lunches when the, you know, they yeah. go to these trainings and they do, you know, they have them. And so if he was a new school board member, I could see maybe something falling through a crack once. 22 years is a very long time to serve on a school board. Well, it sounds like to me if not if you're making money off of it. Oh, Paul, Paul yeah. he said he didn't make any money off of being on the school board. From his own, from his own <laughs> words, he's violating the act, and that's from not that's not my words. That's just that's his own his that's own his words. own statement on, audio, on yeah. audio. Yeah, that's what made me start going down this. You know, I was already um, I was curious because people had said, you know, who's this new superintendent in Cleveland County? I don't know, and then. I started investigating Sheridan, and it's when, just when been... Did you, let, let me ask them. When did you start investigating Sheridan on stuff like this? The end of March. The end of March. And so this this meeting in which he asked this question to the attorneys was when again? Um, April. In April. So Mid-April. it's just stunning to me that all of a sudden he's been doing this for 20-something years. He knows the rules. He knows the act. So why is he asking? Why is he asking this question in April when... When well, you started in March digging, you see where I'm going. Yeah, with this? they didn't. They didn't quite know what I was digging. I didn't even know I was. But it it kind of comes a little full circle in that they people knew at that point I was investigating the incoming superintendent of Cleveland County, who was Jared Williams, who left Sheridan under a mysterious yeah. uh, cloud with a letter that is sealed that no one can get and a mutual termination agreement this they sounds, knew this sounds awful much of pd plausible deniability mm-hmm. that's that's what i'm i'm getting and out you know going with the cya clintons, you know going with the clintons i will say that you know i did cover a lot of that stuff and they they could tangle stuff up where it took weeks to untangle 
Um, but this this well, you're good at crossword puzzles, and jigsaw, <laughs> jig puzzles. Yes, right? well, yes. So, all right. But this actually kind of tops anything I really ever saw with the cleanse, except maybe white water. Yeah. Do and you, I say that. Or right now, Hunter Biden. Do you with yes. all the yeah. shell companies yes. and everything that's yes. going on? Do you feel like that they have by design because it happens to me by design have said, "Hey, we can't." We can't put it off. She's pushed hard enough. She's not going anywhere. We got to give her this. But the way they gave it to you is a jumbled up rat's nest. Is that? Do you feel like that's on purpose so that you have to painstakingly? Yes, yes because I will. I will get a now. Now Monday's dump was it was exactly how you're trained to do a freedom of information. You know, it's titled. I know what's in every file. Previously, that's not how I was getting information. It would just say scan Andy Mayberry. T- with a bunch of numbers so i didn't know what was in it you know it was jumbled up it was all jumbled and it would be you know it that's why when i asked for some documents i said i'll just come pick them up because i want the paper copies because it was jumbled you'd get like five six pdfs all right you said Susie, you had one more thing yeah i just wanted to say that one of my outstanding um and i may have it in all the stuff that was sent um monday night um but one of the the things i have asked for and hopefully i'll have it figured out by next week is uh um, i've asked for product list and warranty information for all the roof connect projects i'm not sure if i have that yet but that is an outstanding so i can kind of piece all this together and maybe at least wrap some of it up okay all right hopefully by next week when she's back on we'll start seeing how this uh comes in into money well this is going to be an ongoing thing for for a while on this investigation yes so i mean you're going to bring back some tidbits next week but the following week you'll even have more so i'm unveiling every week yeah like an episode of yellowstone (laughs) yeah i love that absolutely all right north of little rock now uh, the last time jimmy was on he missed last week because of uh some kind of uh, doctor's appointment he had. I think he was terrorizing the doctor, not vice versa. <laughs> but uh, he wasn't able to be on, and uh, he was getting in front of a government uh, uh, institution wanting to, them to do an investigation of, uh, I think, the superintendent of North Little Rock because of some stuff that we've uh, played here on the air and things. Yeah, back in, back in June... Uh, we we broke it that North Rock School District had done a, what's called a professional development for, for, according to the district, 400 of their teachers and administrators in which they were promoting indoctrination and critical race theory in a, in a presentation made to them, which is a violation of uh, Governor Sanders' executive order prohibiting uh, the the teaching or promotion of critical race theory and indoctrination in schools. And it's important to include the part about indoctrination because that covers quite a bit. So they had done this. We broke it. We, uh, you know, I, I wrote a story on it. We, we covered it on uh, here at the show. State Representative Carlton Wing came on. He himself. Not happy. Yeah. Said they, they broke the governor's order in, in the law. So what I did is I filed an ethics complaint with the Arkansas Department of Education, the uh, licensure board, okay, and which is a process you can do. And I filed that complaint <laughs> uh, against 
the superintendent of schools, uh, Greg Pulowski, the deputy superintendent, Tori Hooper, the executive director of elementary school performance, Tracy Lightfoot, and uh, the secondary executive director of secondary uh, performance, uh, Amy Jordan, for violating the governor's executive order. The reason I didn't say they violated the Learns Act is because you remember at that time it, it, the emergency clause went into effect, then the Fed, then the court got involved, yep. shut Stop it down, it. then it came back, shut down. So to avoid any confusion, you know, I, because technically the law didn't go into effect August 1st, so I just, I said, well, I'm not going to uh, muddy the water with that, but it's a clear violation of the governor's executive order. So uh, last I guess it was Monday. I got the uh, Monday or Tuesday. I got the letter from the uh, from the licensure board investigation division, in which they uh, went before the board with the allegation uh, August fourth, Friday, August fourth, in the the board voted unanimous, unanimously to initiate the investigation into this. And I, I'm going to be on. Let me be. I'm. I try to be absolutely clear about where I stand. I didn't think that they would do it, and they are. They are. They voted unanimously to be given to, to give all kinds of of uh, high fives that they're going to do this. Well, and yes, it's, we've we've cleared one hurdle. Now the investigation starts. Now I want to be clear about something. Uh, the investigation division over there as far as the Professional Licensure Standards Board investigation team, they are very thorough, and they they dig in. And when they come in, it is literally like criminal investigators coming in or the FBI coming in. You know, they, they, they want documents, and you don't get to say the, super, the school district doesn't get to say, no, you can't have that. That's right. And, uh, they ask, and they're they're given. Yes. Matter of fact, they have scheduled to interview me as part of the investigation. Uh, I'm going Tuesday at 9 a.m. to the Arkansas Department of Education, where there will there be an interview, just like when police take you into an interview room. Uh, they'll record it and do an in-depth interview. It's going to be like a deposition. Yes. Okay. And so it's it's not going to be anything fast because one thing about this investigation division in this team. They do things very methodical, so they're going to take their time. There will, if knowing them, they're going to interview no telling how many people. The people pick people who attended. Uh, they're going to interview all four of the people who are the uh, complaints are against. So they're going to talk to. I'm sure they're going to talk to Dovey Smith, the person from Arkansas State University that developed this and right. put it on uh, the people of Arkansas State. So it's going to be a very in depth investigation but it's it's a good update because we cleared that first hurdle what i did say when i announced that the investigations uh started that i really want to make clear is what we're going to find out and this is up to the board it's cut and dried that they violated the governor's executive order there's no question about it it violates what the what's in the learns act even though the learns act wasn't even technically in effect when they did this but what we're going to find out, and I said, you know, I've got faith the board will do what is right, okay? And I got faith they're going to hold Pulowski and the administration accountable. I'm, I've got to have faith in that. 
but if they don't, you know, if not, what I said was, then Governor Sanders' executive orders in the Learns Act will be deemed unenforceable and worthless. Mm-hmm. So what we're getting into is, look, it's clear. Now, it's up to the board, and I have faith in them. Either you're going to hold them accountable, because if you don't, what you just told the other 261 school districts in the state of Arkansas, that the governor's executive order and what's in the Learns Act are unenforceable. So don't you don't have to follow them. Mm-hmm. And that, that's pretty much the crux of it. And so I'm looking forward to going and doing the interview Tuesday. I'm looking forward to the process. It's going to be slow. It's going to be slow, but I I, 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 I have faith that the board – I had good faith that they voted unanimously, so I feel like they're taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're going to find out when they get done because it doesn't matter what the investigators lay in front of them. The investigators can say, here you go, here it is, but then it's their decision. Mm-hmm. So we'll just – we'll have faith and, uh, you know – and we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll see. But the reality is this. If they don't do anything, if they don't do anything for accountability on this, then what good are the governor's executive order? I what agree wholeheartedly I, too. Yeah. I think that uh, we should try to get uh, Carlton Wing back on the show. Yeah. If you remember that we, we had Carlton on talking about this, and, and uh, uh, Carlton was – Carlton was about as upset as Carlton gets, right? Which, you know, Carlton's a really nice guy and, and, and pretty calm and everything. But even he was, that was pretty fired up for Carlton. Yeah. He was not happy about that at all. And he said on this show that, yeah, that violated. Something, a, something yeah. needs to be looked into is yeah. what he said. And evidently, other people were listening. And uh, so, like I say, it's it's the first step. It's, we've cleared that hurdle, the first one. So now the investigation I'm saying on. that's the first step. Yep. All right. There, there's going to it's. I don't know if we'll be talking about this at the end of the year, but we'll be talking about it October still. Mm-hmm. If it, it's going to take, it's uh, the investigation will will take a while, but uh, it's so just get ready. It's going to be a long investigation, but the key is when they make the decision. That's when you're going to know if the board if the board plans on enforcing Governor Sanders. Executive orders and laws. It's just what Robert said on my show. Robert Steinbach mm-hmm. said on my show Friday that this all of this kind of stuff grinds slowly, but it grinds fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's the key yes. to keep in. Yeah, slowly. Yeah, slowly but finally. Yeah, you but know, finally. When it, when it all comes out at the end, you'll be able I to mean, understand. I can it. say this: the, the the governor should be very interested in this. I think so, mm-hmm. because it really is. Because I believe this is going on all over the state. Oh, I think that it's going on in. in, in uh, I agree with you, and I think this this is going to set the tone. Either the orders and the law mm-hmm. are enforceable, or they're not, because That's we've right. talked about it. how many laws are on the books. Susie and I had this conversation the other day. Dave, you and I have had. You've got so many laws on the books that apply to education or local government, Title fourteen, and Title six. It, that go okay. This is against law. This is against law. Okay. So what's the penalty for breaking that law? We're going to gum you. Yeah. Yeah. There is no penalty. <laughs> right. So, yeah. That's what I say. They're yeah, going to yeah, gum well, you. Yeah. I mean. So I mean, and so if if the board does what's right here, which here again, we I've got faith, then it's going to set the tone for those yeah. school districts. Hey, you can't do this. If they don't, then her executive order and the Learns Act's worthless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. this is going to be a big deal. 
No, I don't disagree with you. Well, we'll say not to swing it back to Sheridan, but the parents did. Parents did just get an, an um, another text that said East End athletes will not travel to Sheridan today. Please make arrangements for all students to be dismissed at three ten p.m. from East End Middle. So has that, the police said anything more? No. Is East End the middle school? Well, you know, East, East End, you know, the school dis- Sheridan School District crosses into Saline right. County, so you've got East End Middle School, mm-hmm. you got the Sheridan Intermediate. But they school don't want them traveling to to Sheridan. Okay. And I won't be going through there either. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. just just be aware. We're trying to keep our finger on this. 